0: Hello and welcome to the Two Shelves of Gaming podcast, the podcast dedicated to role-playing games, wargaming and adventure board games. And my name is Tom. First of all, a belated Happy New Year, Happy 2022. I realised in my last podcast I got the year wrong. Hey, I'm so hardwired into saying the year, as it is the year, that when the new year comes along I forget it's the new year if you follow what I'm saying. Anyway, Happy New Year. I actually did have a podcast all lined up. In fact, the day after I recorded my last podcast on the Hungarian-Slovak border, I said, hey, you know what? I'll do the same thing again. So I went off by the river, recorded a podcast, but the audio quality was horrendous. The wind was just shocking, really, really, really bad. And there was nothing I could do about it. Well, there was, I I could kind of apply a filter to it on on Audacity, but by the time you've removed all the wind noise, my voice sounds like I'm on helium living in a small tin can. So it was just bizarre, it was ridiculous. So I had to give up on that one. So uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna attempt to recreate what I said in, in that lost podcast, as it were. I'm just gonna, just gonna start again and, and, and start afresh. But anyway, what have I been doing since, um, since we last met? Um, well, I was uh, occasionally peering over my, uh, my, my Christmas presents. I can't remember if I mentioned what I got for Christmas. I got silver bayonet, which I'm kind of casually going through and I got some more of the uh, fabled lands and bloodsword books and i'm still talking of fable lands i am still going through the uh Fable lands one the uh, war-torn kingdom i'm kind of going back and forth trying to suck the marrow dry on that one because what i don't want to do is just arbitrarily say you know what i'm fed up with this book i'm gonna i'm gonna take one of the out passages that takes me to book three or to book two no i want to i want to do is i want to do as much of it as i can but like I say, it's a very engrossing book. I really enjoy it, and um, it's just nice to be, you know, rolling some dice, playing a game, that kind of stuff. And I think um, I think I tried to do Forest of Doom again, but I, I didn't. I didn't even get the shaft of the hammer this time. I got absolutely uh, pasted a second time. So, in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I had a little chat about. Um, game books fighting fantasy game books and failable lands game books in the last podcast and uh, and you know one thing leads to another and it got me thinking why don't i play some more of these fantasy fighting fantasy game books i'm talking about so i decided to re replay the forest of doom and i didn't do as well as i thought i was going to do so i've had several abortive attempts in the past few months at forest of Doom, and it hasn't worked out for me so i really need to uh I really i really need to do that one so that's kind of what's been happening. Uh, I haven't really been playing any miniature war games. I have, I have set up a nice little table in my man cave, but I uh, haven't actually done anything. I've kind of just got some nice trees and scenery, and uh, my, my daughter, bless her, she got me a gorgeous piece of scenery, which is a well, like an old oldie style uh, village well, and it's perfect for twenty-eight millimeters. I just need to kind of play a game around it. So I've, I've been kind of procrastinating on that front, which is uh, which I'm not happy about. And I just need to roll some dice and do that kind of thing. And I, and that's that's another reason why I wanted to do a podcast because I was just procrastinating. I was thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about? I kept just bouncing in different directions, thinking, okay, I'll 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 talk about this game on my shelf. But then I said, oh no, it, it's it's too. It'll take me too long to figure it out and to to think of things to say. And then I. Then I'd flit over to another book or another game, and I'd say, "Okay, I'll talk about this instead." And that didn't happen. So I kind of, I kind of <laughs> bounced around my game collection, my bookshelf, you know, one of my, one of my two shelves of gaming, thinking, "What on earth am I going to talk about for this podcast?" And I finally settled upon what is quite possibly the most obscure product I have in my role-playing game collection. Now, before I, before I reveal what it is. I'm just going to say that Storm Eunice is raging outside. You can probably hear the the whooshing of the wind around me and I can, I can see trees being battered back and forth. I mean it's, uh, it's, it's, it's approaching night time but it's just, there's just enough light to see the, the bare trees lashing out like whips into the sky, you know, a, a little while ago I saw a pigeon just basically get carried away by the wind. It, 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 it was going backwards, shall we say. And, and I hope, because of the p- peculiarities of the house I live in, I hope the room I'm in at the moment doesn't get whisked, or whisked away by a gust of wind, because the, I'm kind of in this, uh, I wouldn't call it a box. The house I'm in is mostly made up of concrete and, and strong modern materials, but parts of it, Are made up of wood, and I'm in a I'm in a room which is. Let me think now. It's one, two. It's more or less three sides, concrete, but then it's got, (laughs) but then it's got a kind of wooden cover. And uh, the point I'm trying to make is, I hope that that wooden cover doesn't get whisked away, taking me with it. I kind of have. Visions of that scene in the Lost Boys where the vampires descend upon that couple in the uh, in the car And they all turn around as the wind is blowing under their hair and they're going oh my god As they get as they, as they get carried away, and you see their feet disappear into the darkness So I do not want to recreate that scene from the Lost Boys Yeah, like I say this is a this is a stream of conscience podcast You just never know where it's gonna go Okay, so with that preamble out of the way let's go back to what I was talking about what I think is possibly the most obscure game in my role-playing game connection. collection even. And it is, a, it is an adventure module for the Dream Park role-playing game. Now if you've never heard of the Dream Park adventure game don't worry you are not the only one. I only heard of the Dream Park adventure game when I got this module which I'll come to later. I got the module in a great role playing game store in Manchester England I used to uh, well I used to work in Manchester a long time ago but I never made it out as far as Traveling Man and I'm not even sure if I'm not even sure if Traveling Man was open when I was working in Manchester because you know I, I I haven't worked in Manchester for over 20 years which is quite scary and the simple reason that the simple reason I never made it to Traveling Man if it was open was I was always quite keen to get back in time to the office i didn't want to take more than an hour for lunch even though tv was quite i was working at granada tv studios even though the tv studio was quite casual they didn't really you know you didn't punch in or punch out it wasn't that kind of environment at all i sort of had this inner sense of guilt and duty that okay i've got to be back in an hour so everything everything all my kind of long walks around uh, dean's gate or the Ondale center wherever there was there was had to make sure i was back in the office by an hour and I, and I discovered that if I walked from Granada TV to pretty much Piccadilly Gardens and back, you know, that's assuming I've maybe had a peek in a, a shop along the way or bought a sandwich in Tesco, I would get back in an hour. That was like the limit. I couldn't go any further, which is tragic, really, because right on the on the edge of that that kind of uh, circumference of or that range I could get to in an hour and back was the Traveling Man Game Store. So in my very Convoluted, long-winded ways. What I'm saying is, I never made it out to Travelling Man when I worked at Manchester TV because it was too far. So there we go. Anyway, the Dream Park role-playing adventure game and the product I have here. Can you hear it? I'm tapping it with my with my hands. is called the Race to El Dorado. Anyway, I'm 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 doing this podcast very badly. I'm I'm, I'm kind of flitting and flotting from from one thing to the other. Okay, what is the what is the Dream Park role-playing game? Well. It's a role-playing game like many other role-playing games that is based on a work of literature. It's based on a series of books by the writers Larry Niven and Steve Barnes. Now, I I know Larry Niven because he wrote a very famous sci-fi book called Ringworld which uh, is very popular and I think I think I think there were also a few um sequels called the Ringworld Engineers or or things like that where he effectively tried to um Correct the mistakes he made in the first book, and by that I mean, the book Ringworld itself is set on a huge Dyson Dyson sphere or 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 a Dyson ring, basically a gigantic um, artificial habitat in space. You know, a huge a a a world basically in space. And um, while it's I guess while the compass needle of that book is more or less on hard, hard science fiction because you know it's talking about theoretical construction that's been talked about in in science and physics, and was so named by the uh, scientist, uh, what's his name, Dyson? I can't remember his Dyson. Freeman Dyson, yeah, that was his name. Freeman Dyson theorized the existence of Dyson spheres. Actually, Freeman Dyson was also part of a really interesting project in the States called the Orion Project, which was a plan to propel gigantic spaceships using atomic power. And there's a really good documentary about it somewhere. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm, I'm going all over the place here. Let's get back to Dyson spheres for now. So in Larry Niven's Ringworld book, which was about Dyson spheres or kind of like about Dyson spheres, he apparently made some mistakes which scientists pointed out to him, or someone pointed out to him, and so he he wrote these sequels where he might have fixed things. Right now that that. Kind of weird backwaters out the way. One of the other books he wrote, or series series of books he wrote, were, were were called Dream Park. Now, what is Dream Park? Dream Park is a series of books about a vast, I guess you'd call it, virtual reality Westworld kind of adventure playground for people. It's where they can go into this uh, this habitat, this this sphere, this dome, and there's all sorts of actors and holograms and you know, special effects that make it feel as though they're actually in a different environment, you know, like, like they're actually in some kind of ancient world or they're fighting dinosaurs or they're pirates or something. So it's that kind of setting, you know, I'm using the comparison Westworld and, and by Westworld, I'm talking about the, the old film that I saw, the one with the, um, what's his name? The bald guy, oh, what's his name? Yul Brenner, that's his name, Yul Brenner. So that kind of, uh, that kind of thing and the book and sorry not the book the game itself i think it was it came out in the early 90s my um, my adventure is is 1992 and i'm just trying to i'm just kind of thinking back to what it was like back then there was a lot of talk about virtual reality and you know there are i wouldn't say this is a virtual reality book it's not a cyberpunk it's not a cyberpunk setting in any way but uh, you know there was there was kind of a, a a wide appetite or a fascination for what for what virtual reality could do and of course, there was the old film Lawn Mower Man, if anyone remembers that, with uh, Pierce Brosnan and, and somebody else who I can't remember about a, um, a gardener with learning difficulties who becomes empowered and becomes incredibly intelligent due, due to virtual reality and then ends up being sucked into the, the virtual reality computer web, yada, yada, yada. So there was all these kind of OK, virtual reality. And, and bear in mind, this was the pre-internet age. You know, computers still had a lot of mystery for, for the, common, the common man and woman on the street. And I also remember at the time, when I was living in London around this time, 1992, there was a, uh, there was a kind of shopping mall, video game center right in the middle, right by Leicester Square called the Trocadero Center. And in that Trocadero Center, there was a video game arcade and in the middle of that video game arcade was a gigantic uh, virtual reality. Um, I don't know if obstacle course is the right thing to say, there was this kind of uh, fenced off area or caged off area, where you paid however however much money you paid. Uh, you went inside, and the people gave you a virtual reality headset. And you did these tasks, or you had to go over things. and. Um, And anyone anyone who was there could just kind of witness what you were seeing because your what you were seeing in your goggles was 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 relayed on various TV monitors around the uh, around the the playing area, and you know the the graphics were really really clunky. You know, (laughs) they kind of reminded me a bit of the uh, the computer animation from the Dire Straits "Money for Nothing" video. It was that level of clunky blocks all stuck together. But you know, a lot it was quite fascinating. So. What I'm trying to say is, you know, there, it was at a time when maybe there was just enough in, there was that perfect midpoint between interest, yet misunderstanding, where you could, act, you could just do anything within that kind of little sweet spot in time and, and, and knowledge. I'm not actually sure when, um, when the game itself came out. Um, I actually should have researched that because um, while I don't own a physical copy of the Dream Park role playing game, I do have it as a PDF and I should have looked at it when it was published, but i didn't but the point I'm making, or rather what I want to say about the game is i never ever ever heard of it back in the day didn't ever hear about it once um admittedly you know the early nineties I wasn't really going to a lot of gaming stores, but even so i didn't i didn't really see it ever. I'm trying to think where I went to back then. I mean, I was I was a, I was a student living in London, and the game stores I used to go to were Virgin Games on Oxford Street. Uh, there was another place in Soho. I can't remember what it was called. I never went to the famous Orc's Nest. For some reason, I just I'd, I'd forgotten about it, or I, I don't know. And there was a place in Kingston upon Thames I used to go to, which is now long closed. But anyway, in in all those visits to those game stores, I never once saw Dream Park Adventure game. Now, as you can probably guess by my description of the the book Dream Park, this is a multi-genre role-playing game. It is a book or it is a game rather where you can games can be set up where you are in one session you're 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 you're, you're fighting pirates the next session maybe you're in some kind of lost world dinosaur setting, and in the next session you're, I don't know, you're in ancient Rome. So you know it it, it, it is multi-setting, but with the caveat, all those settings are com- are contained within the Dream Park. So if you kind of imagine that the Dream Park is some gigantic theme park setting, all the adventures, no matter how diverse they are. Uh, fighting dragons fighting romans whatever they're, they're all taking place in more or less one very large location one enormous location but it's all there it's not like say my lords of creation role playing game by uh, by avalon hill where you can you know you can flip through time and space you know uh, go to different universes mul- mul- you know different dimensions etc it's not like that nor is it like gurps i mean i've, I've got gurps the basic set the hardback basic set i got it, i got it a while ago that kind of is a little more freeform you 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 know you are not kind of locked in into a setting no matter how vast it is you know so with 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 this dream park multi-genre role-playing game you are kind of despite the the, the amazing um flexibility that gives you you are i wouldn't say stuck but you are in in in, a, in one set setting anyway what have i got in front of me i have the module Called the Race for El Dorado, Artalosaurian Games presents a Dream Park adventure, and the picture on the front is very—it's kind of—it's—it's it's very 1930s pulp. You know, it—I'm going to say it reminds me a bit of you know the Indiana Jones look, the the, the Africa video by Toto, or that here's a more obscure reference. Oh, there's, there was a song by Asia after they after they did Heat of the Moment, they did another song called Don't Cry, and it's all about you know. Lost treasures, the jungle—you know, swinging, swinging, off ledges with whips, that kind of stuff. I'll just describe what's on the front cover: the race for El Dorado, and big, in big gold letters, kind of coming at you, um, cinematic style. And in the middle, there's this um, sort of late twenties, early thirties lady holding a pistol. She's wearing a, a, a blouse which is very loosely unbuttoned, showing what would be now called side boob. I don't feel bad in saying that. That's an accepted term on the news. I know because I say so. And she's wearing a, a kind of, kind of Indiana Jones hat with like a a, a, a a band on it. And then there's a guy to the to the side, a little, a little inset of some kind of tribal chieftain. He's holding up a spear. Above him, there's a snake. In the bottom corner, in the left, there's a guy firing a bolt-action rifle. There's a gold icon somewhere, and in the distance, there's a sun with uh, with pterodactyls flying. So you know it's it's full on. It's like whoa! And that's the thing going through this uh, going through this adventure module. It just screams of fun, absolute fun. I mean, it's I don't often say this, you know. I think in, in a lot of games, you have to kind of maybe search for the fun. that only comes out when you when you really you know digested the material and understood the material. But this is just kind of blasting out of every single page, you know. It, it, <laughs> I love it. Even though at this stage I don't know how to play Dream Park, I've only had a very, very um, r- rough scan of the rules. You know, I, I, I really want to play this game because it it looks fun and very simple. Okay, so what have we got? I'm just uh, in, the tr- in the in the in tr- the greatest traditions of role-playing games. the the, the content, the booklet separates. From the cover, which you can stand up as a screen, screen even that's me standing up. Uh, the back cover just has some uh, some great images, you know, great cartoon images of some of the characters you'll be meeting on the inside. And the inside cover has the Valley of Yana, which is this lost prehistoric valley in the Andes mountains. And it's also got a map of the city of Yana. A kind of I'm not going to say Aztec because the Aztecs weren't um, they weren't in the Andes, were they? You know what my my knowledge of um pre-columbian americas is failing me at the moment but um yeah it's got like uh, s- step pyramids and uh, that kind of stuff it reminds me of the um the the, the Mayans is that's what i'm trying to say i i know i know the Mayans were not in that part of the world in peru but the uh, the map of the uh, of the buildings and the step pyramids reminds me of the uh the Mayan ruins is it is it in the Yucatan Peninsula or the or Belize or Honduras? I'm not sure. I should know. This likes to be really into this stuff, but uh, I guess I've forgotten about it. Okay, intrigue and excitement as you venture into the heart of the Andes. You know, and I'm just reading the first page, and next to that box text, there's a picture of some guys, some men and women, firing their rifles at a dinosaur, while an Amazonian warrior. Um, helps them with a spear you know it's it's full on okay so you know i'm i'm going to read i'm going to read the the introduction in the two gigantic gaming areas of dream park any fantasy can be created and any story can be told with holograms virtual realities robots live actors intricate sets and the wealth of the mighty cowls industries at their fingertips games masters have no limitations but the scope of their own imaginations Professional game masters design their adventures to test plays physical and mental metal and to amuse an audience that eagerly watches inter- international broadcasts of major games. It is a competitive world with expert games masters vying for top ranking and an opportunity to test the scenarios against the skills of elite teams of adventurers. With the competition to beat and audience and players to satisfy, there's a relentless pressure to produce original and unprecedented scenarios. In this adv- environment genre and convention are obsolete and only those gifted with a special vision can thrive dot 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 So there there it kind of sets up something. I forgot. You know, you're not just going into this theme park But there's a whole world of it being televised You know and you know there's ratings, you know And and in a way it kind of reminds me of that was it the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger how he's he's in He's in this kind of death match against these other Competitors, and it's all being televised, and it's all a bit dystopian. This doesn't come across as dystopian in any way. You know, it, it's it's all it all seems you know rip roaring fun, and, and I I will be honest, I I've, I've I don't know the uh, the Dream Park books. I should try and get hold of them, but they they're hard to get hold of right now. So I don't know what what's going on. Whether there's some kind of corporate intrigue or, or conspiracy theories in the books, but um, I don't know. I just don't know. And another curious thing about this game is, it's a game within a game within a game. And when I say that, it reminds me of the introduction to the to that that old old video with Phil Collins and is, is it Phil Hartley? I can't remember. They did a they did a song called Easy Lover back in the eighties. And at the start of the video, before before the singing and the music starts, Phil Collins says, "This is a video about a video about a video." And by that, I mean when you sit down to play this game, you as the player, you are playing a player character who, in turn, is playing another player character. What? Let me try and explain that. So it's not like, say, D&D or Traveler, where you sit down at the table and you, you play your fighter, your wizard, your cleric, your, your marine, your, your trader, your, your scout. No, there's, kind of, there, there's one extra layer of immersion within this game. So when you sit down to play the to play the game, you you then play a player character, let's call that player character Bob, and then Bob then goes into this dream park, virtual reality, whatever you want to call it, setting, and plays someone else. So that's quite interesting. That's quite fun. That's a new twist to things. I mean, how that manifests itself in the game mechanics, I don't know at this stage. You know, I, I don't know if it does at all, or whether it's, it, it's a key part of the game. And if anyone's listening to this who knows the game better than I do, I apologize. I, I, am, I am literally just reading this as I pulled it off my shelf. OK. so So this game, you are essentially travelers, adventurers, and you get caught into, and you're on a ship but, but uh, let, let's start, let, let me stop there. You're not really on a ship. The players are not really on a ship. They're on a, they're on a, a pretend ship within the theme park. It goes up and down, not because it's on real water, but because there's, it's on these kind of huge, I guess, hydraulic pistons that make you go up and down, up and down, up and down, and the ship starts sinking. They find someone dead on board, but they can't do much about it because the ship's sinking and they have to get off. The ship is called the Equatorial Princess, and as they get off, they can be um, attacked by sharks, but they're not real sharks, they're robots. Yeah, you get attacked by robot sharks. And then as you get yourself onto the lifeboat, it's assuming you've got onto a lifeboat, you will. Meet your first NPC who is called Sabrina Trammell. Now, it gives you little stats for the, uh, for the NPCs you meet, and it says this is an actor. So again, even the NPCs are not really NPCs, they're actors. So uh, this could either be very simple to get your head around or very confusing. You just have to go with it, I think. Now, the players then end up, I think it's on the coast of Peru. But of course, it's not really the coast of Peru because you're all within the dream park still. So. And you meet, you meet some retired British major called Major Sir Charles Althorpe and his, uh, his manservant, uh, Chandor Jaswan, Jaswanspura, who is a, a, a Sikh gentleman, by all accounts. And then you, he, he's basically your patron who says, Oh, yes, come and work for me in, 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 my, you know, in my plantation and my mines. So, so you go from the teaser as they call it, which is Shipwrecked in Molendo, which is the town they end up in, and then you go to world one. Now it doesn't say chapter one or part one of the adventure. It says world one, because it's kind of arranged into worlds as you move from one location to the other. And that's called the Highland Plantation. Now it's in, this, um, it's in this Highland Plantation where they kind of get the lay of the land. You know, they've just kind of, they've been shipwrecked. They've been found in, in a bar or, or, or some nefarious location in the docks in Peru. And then they get taken to the, uh, to the Highland Plantation up in the Highlands. And they get carried up there by bus, and there's a, there's a table for what can happen. It's um, a D6 table. Oh, and I should say, Dream Park is a D6 game, which is. It's, and D6 games are really quite simple. And I, I think there's. Some, I'm, I'm really. I am really warming to D6 games. I think it's probably the, um, the shadow or the aftermath of playing Fighting Fantasy and Fable Lands. There's just something really fun and simple. You know about rolling a couple of d6s or one d6, and that's it. It's great. Anyway, so you know, you you roll. If you roll a one on the table, you get an uneventful ride, Uh, or you get a six. A bunch of highwaymen attack you. You know, with bolt action rifles. And uh, combat in this game is quite simple as well. I mean, I I did a quick look at the rules before, and you basically have a, a, a fighting ability, whether it's ranged weapons or hand to hand, and then you roll a d6. You add, you add the score. And then you have to, and then your opponent has a dodge roll. So he he or she adds rolls one d six and adds it to their appropriate um, defense roll, whatever it is and if you roll higher than that, you've you've hit them and then you roll to see what your damage is. I think the way damage works is depending on your weapon, your damage ranges from light to cosmic, which just, <laughs> it sounds kind of far out. Hey, it's cosmic damage, man. I think there's a separate chart for that. I need to look it up. But you know, it's in, it's in, the, the actual fighting to figure out whether you've hit is quite straightforward. It's an opposed roll. Um, the, um, the damage seems like it could get quite complicated. On, on the subject of complicated, having just said I love games w- with two d sixes because I think they're quite simple, the game book itself is 136 pages, so it's not what I would call rules light by rules light by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot to it, not necessarily crunchy. There's just a lot of information. It's one of those games that w- when I sort of cast my eyes through it, there, you know, there's there's quite a few charts and tables going on. You know, it's not just the rule book isn't just a few pages you know five or ten pages that you can just go through easily there's there's quite a bit to it you know it's quite it's quite a good big big old game but you know th- that was how it was back in the day let, let, let us not forget you know some of us some of us some of us older gamers are no doubt veterans of the uh the three book D and you know e- each of those had what a couple of hundred at least and and they, d- they still do today you know those those younger gamers who are getting into fifth edition D&D that's a you know (laughs) the games designers ask a lot of you when you you know to read those three books before you start playing so uh so I guess Dream Park ain't that ain't that bad I'm trying to reconcile a 2d6 game system with 136 pages of rules you know it seems it seems a little bit much to me but hey that's just me anyway they arrive at the Majors Plantation up in the Andes Oscar Cruz is an NPC also played by an actor who is the plantation foreman. Let me read out. Oscar Cruz is the plantation foreman, a robust, paunchy man with a thick black mustache. He oversees all day-to-day plantation operations and is directly responsible for the peasant labor. He is of half European descent and half Quechua, I hope I pronounced that right. He speaks fluent Quechua and is well acquainted with Quechua legend, which helps him work with the laborers. He is, however, a stern, slightly cruel man, and many of the chew, true true don't like him. Oh. Okay, then uh, then there's a really good map of the uh, the plantation valley. You got some fields. Actually, what what is this guy growing? He's in, <laughs> Peru. Is he growing cocaine? Is he is he growing Peruvian marching powder? As some people. Call it? Oh no, he's growing coffee. Nothing wrong with that at all. He's growing coffee. So you've got a map of the plantation valley. The road comes in from the top. And then it's got like a, a it zooms in on the the actual plantation plantation house the worker hurts, some sheds the corral there's a bridge over the river and then there's a little road that goes off to the mine canyon ho ho now the mine, what's going to happen in the mine the mine is basically the transition between the valley to the to the to the lost valley the lost world so again you know th- things are getting the scenes are kind of compounding upon each other because you know bear in mind you you're playing a role playing game you're playing a character. That character is playing another character who's going who 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 while who while lives in, in in that game's world goes into the theme park world. So, you know, there's there's kind of lots of layers. The more I think about this game, it kind of reminds me of the film Inception, the um is it the Stephen Nolan film, Christopher Nolan, can't remember his first name. How yeah, how that film is all about dreams within dreams within dreams and how, you, you know, how you're in danger of uh, just kind of never, never getting out of them. I, I kind of am picking up on that as, as my thought process kind of casts itself over this book. Anyway, one of the NPCs, an- another NPC, is a chap called Dennis McConnelly, who is a miner from Scotland and he's been living in Argentina and South America doing mining exploration. And I guess he's the kind of, uh, what would what you call it, the, um, the catalyst that gets them into the mine. And I think, um, I think they basically get chased into the mine. Yeah, they get chased into the mine because I think there's some kind of attack. And they get forced into the cave canyon where the mine starts. Okay. And there's encounters for being in the cave canyon. So it ranges from one, nothing happens, to six. A group of 1D6 plus three young Quechua Indian boys. They are not actually out to steal anything. They just want to explore the mine. They will tell the characters they came up only because they are all under orders from their family to avoid the mine at all times. They don't know why. Ooh, so there's some kind of legend about the cave canyon. So, what if the characters explore the cave? Okay. So if they explore the cave, they can if they want to, but as part of the natural order of the uh, of this adventure, if they're in the cave canyon, and I can't me- I can't remember why the players would have to go into the cave canyon. Maybe they're just told to guard it. I think they're supposed to guard it or something. As they're guarding it, a huge Dimetrodon comes out of the cave, wanders into the canyon and uh, they have an encounter. And this is, a, uh, this is a hologram according to the stats. So even though it does damage, how can a hologram do damage? Yeah. See, weapons. I'm going to read you its weapons. Bite, deadly damage, claw, serious damage, tail whip, again serious damage, different classifications. Yeah, but how would a hologram do that? It would just be nothing, really. So yeah, I need to figure that one out. Anyway, dinosaur comes wandering out of the small entr- entrance to the mine, which goes into the canyon they were staying in. So let, let me clarify. The players, they went to the plantation valley. In the plantation, there is a canyon, which they were in. And at the very end of the, the, uh, the canyon is a small mine entrance. And out of this mine entrance comes a hologram dinosaur. Which makes everyone kind of scratch their heads and go, "What's that doing here?" But then again, you know, if, if putting yourself in the mindset of the of the player, or rather the PC, you know, you, you'd kind of be expecting danger and, and weird goings on and, and 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 far out happenings and high adventures. So you'd just be going, "Yeah, you know." So that, that if, if if you really were here, that would kind of take the uh, the interest or the the excitement or the or the fascination of things. Not if you're a player. I think I think it'd be great, but it's just uh, it's one of the things that makes me think about this game and think what you know why Why have you got that kind of two layers of of of, of being a player it's, it doesn't always seem to make the, the best sense anyway after that there is chaos at the plantation yeah yeah there is some kind of uh there is some kind of attack mercenaries come into the to the to the plantation and the only way out is to go into the mine so they have to basically go into the mine or all sorts of dangers you know all sorts of physical dangers they've got to use ropes to swing over chasms, etc, etc. Okay, Games Master's overview for this part. What the characters don't know, the opening is five miles away on the far side of Mount Andamakaka. To get there, the players will have to negotiate treacherous lengths of the cave, facing animals and natural traps while being pursued by the agents. When they emerge, they will be in the Valley of the Yana. So basically, they can't really go back because they're being chased by these thugs, these mercenaries, who are all actors. Um, And they're quite, let me see how good they are. Driving plus five, martial arts weapons plus seven. Oh, so they're pretty good actually. So they're they're pretty handy. And there are, how many of them? How many of these guys are there? CPS times two. So I guess that's a dice roll, times two. Or two dice, so there could be quite a bit of them. So the players basically have no choice but to go into the, the mine slash the cave. And in the cave, there are chasms, stalactites, and, they, and they're, they're a little sort of scene maps or action maps, uh, which again brings me to another point. When, when you read through the, uh, the rule book to Dream Park role-playing game, it does kind of say that you can u- or you should use like you know, li- little counters from, from your board games or little figures or, or you know, something to keep track of where you are because it, it does kind of, I wouldn't say force you. But it encourages you or recommends it as part of gameplay, uh, especially in the in the basic rules. When it's talking about combat, you know, to, to, to keep track of where everyone is, you basically need tactical maps. Which I guess you know, I have never liked that. I've always preferred theater of the mind. And whenever a role playing game is said, use use counters, miniatures, and maps. I've always kind of just filtered that out. I just prefer theater of the mind. But you know, I guess if things get really fiddly you can do it or you can scribble something out anyway you've got you've got a river chamber with chasm chamber to uh, to negotiate you've got a steam vent you know with blast steam actually you. you've got a dactyl cave where you have to go through a cave full of um, i think stalactites and then you get attacked by a paradactyl which of course is virtual so again what bit of the rules am i missing if a, if a virtual creature can give you um, Damage, and then as you as you go further on into the uh, into the cave, you've got a lake, and there's a plesiosaurus in the lake, and you've got to kind of um, you've got to kind of jump over these rocks <laughs> to get from um, from one side of the lake to the other. But of course, in in one section is a, is, is a plesiosaur that comes out and tries to bite you, even though it's a holograph. Okay, and if you so choose, there are random cave encounters. So one goes from a Yana temple built in a chamber is near the end of the cave a secret worship may be in progress. Ooh. And number 6, a natural maze created by lava. It will take a knowledge roll plus 4 for the characters to find their find their way out. It may have creatures in it. Okay. And then as, and and then the further they go into the cave, they find clues of the Yana and the and the Yana of the of these people who are rumored to live in this in this lost valley, which takes me to the the next part, the Valley of the Yana. So after all after fighting monsters, being chased by thugs Leaping over chasms, being blasted by hot steam, being yapped at by plesiosaurs, they come out onto this huge vista, this this valley that's absolutely been cut off from civilization, or rather from the rest of the world, for thousands of years. You know, there are there are volcanoes smoking in the distance. There are pterodactyls flying. There are, you know, they can they can just make out some settlements. And as I'm saying this, as I'm looking at the the sketch picture, it just reminds me of those old Doug McClure films. You know, the the Valley that Time Forgot, or the the Land that Time Forgot, which I used to love as a kid. You know, that that was basically my summer holiday. I would go to the local cinema with my pal, and we'd watch the Doug McClure films. You know, like uh, Lost Warlords of Atlantis, or was it Warlords of Atlantis, or Land that Time Forgot? I loved all that stuff. So it kind of has that feel, big time. So you're in the Valley. Okay, what the players don't know. The valley has been isolated from the rest of the world for millions of years, preserving a fragment of the Jurassic ecosystem long extinct in the rest of the world. One tribe found a way into the valley 6,000 years ago. They were the ancestors of the civilization that lives here now. The characters and agents pursuing them are headed for a showdown with the City of Gold. So of course, it's not just a valley where people just kind of hang around and do nothing there's a city of gold there okay as they go into the valley they meet the Yana princess. they they have an encounter with a Yana princess who is an actor and she ain't wearing much let's just say her hair is strategically placed so as to uh, not give this this product an an X rating Uh, and I think she helps them yeah she helps them while they're being attacked by an Allosaurus holograph and she herself rides a dinosaur okay so there there's some role playing with the communa communicating with them. And then they have a feast when they when they go to the the golden city of the yonder they have a they have a feast with the chieftain have some nice dinosaur ribs it looks like they're having. And now what's this? After the battle. What battle is that? One of the the kind of encounters or the parts of this thing in the valley is called the Feast of Fear. Okay, as they're having the feast, what happens? Ah, the pursuing agents make it into the Ah, oh, so they have a So the agents make it, oh no. So a fight can possibly bring out. Now what I might be missing about this product is some kind of subterfuge or spying either within the game world, as in the... See, it's confusing, it is to me anyway. What they might be suggesting at is there might be some kind of underhand things going on within the larger Dream Park world or in the actual game simulation the PC's players find themselves in, if that makes any sense. Okay, let's see what it says. The truth behind the sabotage of the equatorial princess. So if they capture one of the mercenaries, apparently the value was known about anyway. That's okay, so yeah. So there's basically a kind of plot going on in the game world. Sorry within this simulated adventure which explains why why they're being chased by mercenaries and why, why, why the ship sank. So there you go. Okay I'm, I'm really making a hash of this. I, I do apologize. So then and now you have to go and then you have to go back through the caves through the plantation, return to the plantation valley, but of course all the henchmen are waiting for you. Now the hench, the, the bad guy is called Bea. and now this is what happens if, if, if the bad guy wins the day, the characters are dead, yeah that would be bad. Bayer takes over the mine, but his plans to exploit the valley are foiled by the eruption that destroys the cave. Now, of course, in finest Hollywood film style, there is an eruption but, uh, that makes it impossible to gain access into the valley. He will never in his lifetime fulfill his dream of laying claim to the riches of the Valley of the Yana. So obviously he's heard about the gold and he wants it for himself. And he's uh, not just backed up by thugs, he's got elite mercenaries. Okay, if the characters are victorious. Bayer's forces are routed and Bayer killed in battle. Although his company continues, everyone in his organisation who knew about the Valley of the Honour is dead or on the run. The characters now own the plantation and mine and go on to become wealthy if they wish. Althorpe has no living hairs. So that's the guy, that's the British guy who owned the plantation who was obviously dead. He must have been killed by the uh, by the thugs a couple of a uh, couple of sections ago. Okay, that's it. But here's, here's what I'm looking for okay just <laughs> the, 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 the basically all the all the lights then switch on and some kind of guy comes in and starts sweeping the floor to say okay the dream park adventure's over you can go now how do you wrap these things up without it just being utterly utterly bizarre i've given you a very scatty as usual rundown of the race for el dorado as i've been saying throughout this podcast i think the fact you've got a game within a game within a game is a little bit it can be a bit odd I mean, wouldn't it just be better to have the game? I mean, if if you forget the fact you're in a dream park, this this is a great adventure. You know, I mean, wh- when I first saw this, I thought this this would be great for Call of the Cthulhu. You know, even though there's no you know supernatural Cthulhu missiles, there's none of those Cthulhu things. You know, but you you could apply this to 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 any other uh, you know kind of contemporary slash uh, nineteen thirties twenties you know a, a, a adventure system. I think I think yeah. I just can't, I just can't easily understand why you've got those layers of gameplay. Even though they're not really referred to, you know, it, it, it's, it only starts at the very beginning. I'm going I'm to read out what it says when the players first start the adventure. For this game, the characters will be told that they can expect a modern setting, okay? They get led to, um, to the basement of what, the dream park. There, a technician will explain that because of the initial setting of the adventure they are going to enter the dome from below he then hands each of them a ticket for the equatorial princess which is the boat he then cranks open a large hatch as the, as the hatch opens several liters of oily water spill through they then basically that's how they enter the adventure you know they they kind of g- go in through a little door and you and what i can't see at the end of the adventure is how they get out you know does that same technician then you know switch on the light start sweeping the floor and say okay you can you can leave through this door now i'm not really seeing that maybe i've missed it maybe i'll put it in the description if i find it because you know there's, there's all talk about the, the the adventurers going back to the valley or trying to find it in the future if they want to but you know why would they do that because it, it, it's all a simulation you know are these things left running you know does does the park have a life of its own you know but because the the inference in the rules and probably the books too is you know this is all pre-programmed it's all written it's all it's all done by people you know so whether whether some rogue code has got away with with the dream park and it's all gone crazy you know just like in in, in the film Westworld maybe that's a part of the game okay it then talks about source material you know the history of the the Lost Valley the history of the Yana and that's it so you know there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun in the illustrations and, and the, you know the simplicity of the game and, and, and what you're seeing and what you're doing. But I would use that with another game system, or rather, or rather, I'd, I <laughs> yeah, I'd use the game mechanic, but maybe not necessarily the whole Dream Park setting. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just find it a bit weird, and I'm probably saying this from a, a, a perspective of sheer ignorance and just simply not knowing the source material or the rules as well as I should but I'm kind of I'm, I'm caught between the fact this is a great fun adventure you know it's pulpy it's kind of Indiana Jonesy you know there's there's a lost valley it's like those films I used to watch but on the other hand you've got the fact it's a game within a game within a game kind of thing which you know it's a bit weird anyway that was my podcast about the adventure module the race for El Dorado for the Dream Park adventure game and I really wanted to get get a podcast in the can because I hadn't done one for a long time and this is very much a shooting from the hip podcast Uh, but hey it's, it's what my podcast is about I'm just going up and down my shelves and I am looking for things that you know pique my interest and this time it was this game and you know maybe I should uh, maybe I should try and get hold of the uh, the actual rule book the physical rule book and I will go through it properly but anyway thank you for listening to my ramblings I will put some links in the show notes so you might be able to uh look up Dream Park role-playing game and Dream Park books yourself and maybe uh, do a bit of research no doubt a lot better than I can anyway my name's Tom you have been listening to the two shells of gaming podcast And I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.